0: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the 46th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about storytelling, filmmaking, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got the second half of our conversation with the guys from Extra Credit Studios. It's Mark and Carlo.
1: They have a ton of interesting insight. We couldn't pack it into one episode, so we thought, let's make it two. So we'll get the conclusion of that later in this episode. But first, Oren, we have a listener question.
0: Yeah, so we have a listener named Hart Perez who randomly ran into my brother and told him he listens to my podcast. And I was like, that's so cool. And so I started and emailing. Your brother Hart.
1: lives in San Francisco. Oh,
0: my brother lives in San Francisco. I checked out Hart's work. You should check out his website. Him and his brother do some cool stuff. Perezbros.com. A lot of commercials, you know, short sketches, you know, but but great looking stuff. and Really, really funny. Really funny and really yeah. kind of clear. There's a clear through line in, in their work. You yeah, know? It's like there's a distinct voice there. Yeah, they feel like kind of edgy commercial directors. So I emailed him and I said, hey, thanks for the compliments. He he had written me that he liked the podcast Said, thanks for the compliments. I checked out your work and it's great. When are you moving to L.A., question mark. And he had written me back that him and his brother are at a crossroads between good crew wages in San Francisco. They work as a gaffer and key grip by day, which provides them income and allows them time to shoot their shorts. Versus the alternative, which is move to L.A. without management, representation, a network. And they would have to try to stay afloat as freelance directors. So at the moment, they're looking into L.A. production companies in order to help ease the transition process before they go all in. And by the way, I did not ask Hart for, <laughs> for permission to read his email on the podcast. So hopefully that's cool with you. I just thought this is something that so many people, so many people. I think, are, are trying to figure out. You know, we talked to Andy Young, who wrote us up on Movie Maker Magazine. He had done all this work for Rooster Teeth in Austin and was, you know, getting hired by them regularly and was like, how, you know, it's hard to move to LA when you have work in your hometown. So my opinion on it is you should move to LA. Tear, Tear the band aid off. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Matt?
1: Yeah. You know, I, well, you have the insight of being a filmmaker and living elsewhere than LA. I moved here you know, for college and have stayed ever since. So I, I I sympathize a little bit more with people who want to kind of stay outside and maybe save a little bit of money, see their family a little bit more. But inevitably you do have to make the jump. And I think the sooner the better because it, there's a lot of opportunities when you're young, you're like willing to, you know, be a little hungrier, a little scrappier, you know, a little more broke that I think is really worth taking advantage of and and that willingness to be broke is a resource you know also like san francisco's a expensive as shit
0: city oh yeah is the most expensive so like i saw this thing today it's the most expensive city in america to buy a house you have to make 121 grand a year minimum to afford like the cheapest house they sell it it, the my my family's from the bay area
1: so like I, i i get why you love it it's a really wonderful place but it is so expensive that I would say moving here, you would upgrade your home. And there, if you're already making money as uh, a crew member, then like moving into that, you know, yeah, yeah, your network is how you get those jobs and it will be a rougher start. But like, I'd say the sooner the better. Basically. Dude,
0: one month into living in LA, you can get consistent gaffer and key grip work. I actually think it's, yes, you would make a living and stay afloat, but I actually think it's almost dangerous because you can get that work so easily in LA that you might not have time to direct because you'll be so busy making a living, you know, doing crew work. So I guess just to to analyze Hart's email, like you would get good crew wages as a gaffer and a key grip here. You'd probably get into since you're experienced in it. I don't know if you're in the union in the Bay Area, but you could probably get into the union in LA pretty quick. Um, which you know gives you benefits and all sorts of minimum wages and protections. But the other thing that Hart says is, you know, it's hard for us to move to LA without management representation and a network. And so they're looking into production LA production companies in order to help ease the, to transition the process. From my personal experience, I don't know. It, it's very hard to like find a manager or an agent or a production company in LA that doesn't know you to bring you on unless they are kind of a struggling new production company that's probably not worth <laughs> joining yeah yeah unless you're like some sort of wunderkind that like has a mega viral video or a hit at some film festival or so- something with like
2: real... yeah, if you won the
0: grand jury prize at sundance yeah. maybe you'd have a shot but even then i don't think a production company would be like we come to LA and we are going to get you work right away. It yeah. just doesn't it's just not a thing that happens. You have to come and build your network, but with your work and your experience you will be with right. like like-minded people like every day of your life and you will get crew work and meet other filmmakers. I mean I lived in San Francisco, I tried to be a filmmaker there. It was fun. It, in San Francisco it's like considered an art, which I'm not saying it's not, but like in L.A. is where you go to really make a living in film. To dig in.
1: Yeah. So so for our listeners maybe who don't live in L.A. but also aren't the specific person, you know, I, I think save up some money. Get over here as soon as you can is really the <laughs> best advice.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you have a family and it, you know, they're saying you can be like Robert Rodriguez or Richard Linklater and, you know, create a network in your hometown, but. I think your best bet, especially with kind of the work that I've seen, you know, that I think a lot of our listeners do, you know, kind of short sketches, commercials, if you want to get into like the college humor world or the TV commercial world or, or the digital series. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really helpful to come here. We are, and this is, a, I know a mildly controversial topic, so we're very happy to hear anyone else's opinions on this. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with us, but that was, that's just our take. I, you know, I think
1: really the ultimate issue is that, even if you're finding work in your hometown and you probably have a really great life and it's going to put a cap on the production values that you're going to be able to reach, right? Like your crews are going to be limited. Your gear is going to be limited and frankly your budgets are going to be limited. So you can be great at like stretching 10,000, 15,000, $20,000 into a really awesome, impressive looking spot. And that's awesome. That's really great. But you won't get to do those bigger, better spots elsewhere pretty typically. Yeah. And I'm sure,
0: I mean, maybe Hart you know, and his brother work on like the biggest commercials, like million dollar commercials in San Francisco, which do get shot there. All the Apple commercials, who knows what exactly they're working on. But I don't know. I think LA is a very film friendly city. It's like we live and breathe that stuff. So I think while other cities are beautiful and might let you shoot for free in places and people will be excited to be part of your project. LA is where I think you can advance the fastest. And you're
1: investing that time in another place right now. So the sooner you get here, the sooner you're building equity in your network here.
0: Yeah. And Matt said the first 10 people to move here after listening to this episode, he'll get them a job. So far, so good, man. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're right. Uh, I I listeners. two two of our listeners. Okay, just hit up Matt. What's your phone number? We're
1: paying Eric now.
0: Oh, yeah. that's three yeah we got three listeners that uh, we've kind of got jobs for that's like most some, of them some good jobs some okay jobs <laughs> but anyway cool <laughs> well that's cool thanks please email us uh, let us know your thoughts questions concerns we love talking about this stuff and now let's get back in with Carlo and Mark and talk about Extra Credit Studios And so, another uncomfortable, businessy type question. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys, at any point, like write up contracts saying that you guys own things three way, like how the business is going to work?
1: Yeah, you have a very clear delineation of who owns what. How did you decide on that?
0: Uh, I don't think we wrote up anything
3: too formal until we like ended up getting a lawyer. Yeah, we got, like an entertainment lawyer who's like, you don't have anything written up. We gotta write something. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: That's his job. Well, because it's, yeah. it's so rare what you guys have, especially since you, this is kind of your first big project. Was right, right. Was the high school or the most popular girls project? Like it's rare to have that where a project blows up and there isn't like big fights and yeah. people yeah. hate each other afterwards. Yeah, normally well, you see, get to we, have a couple like failures, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I mean we we did the very smart thing of making sure that we hated each other from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> so there's nowhere to go. Yeah, sure. it's a two
3: thing. It's a weird thing of like we were not friends when we started. Yeah. So we were not like buddies who did a lot of stuff together in one hit. It was like we knew each other tangentially. But when this thing took off, we both we both grew to respect each other through the beginning episodes. Mm-hmm. Like I respected Carlo a lot as a writer because I mean this show is based entirely off of his great idea, and as a performer. And then he respects me because I actually made made able to make the dolls move, and he can't. So, <laughs> you know, we had like this mutual thing of like there's a lot of things I don't want to deal with that he likes to deal with. A lot of things that he doesn't want to deal with that I can deal with. And we just were probably the only two people we really trust with exactly. each other's work. Hmm. Like, so that we just lucked out, and it's lucky that we don't like each other because we know we can trust each other. Because I know he wouldn't
0: hang out with me <laughs> right. if I that's, wasn't a business guy. That's yeah. like Matt and me. We oh. our very first time we met each other, we were like, we should do a podcast. Yeah, and yeah. And our second really time we other. met, I think we was, was the bought some microphones. <laughs> and the nice. third time we <laughs> yeah. did the podcast. That's yeah, cool. there
1: is something yeah. funny about it being a bit more of a business relationship, for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. and it, it's the kind of thing of of like because. Like we wouldn't hang out with each other normally. Like we can both go home if we're arguing with each other and be like, "All right, well, that was a shitty day at the office or whatever." But it's not like my friend is mad at me, Mm -hmm, and and also we've established a really good rapport of like being honest with each other. And if we get in a fight and have to yell at each other or have a disagreement about something, like we both know at the at the end of it, it's because we care about the project and because we want the Mm -hmm. best for it. And I never have to question what marks investment in this thing is or why we're fighting about it you know we we're fighting about it because we think that different things will make the best possible product and at the end of the day, I know that no matter what, he's always got my back and he's got equal skin in the game.
3: Yeah, we looked at and that we both decided not to fuck each other over.
0: Yeah. It could have. Or fuck Somebody. each other's girlfriends. Yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which is I what mean, happens when you work with your friends. <laughs> oh, good to yeah. know. Yeah. Um,
3: but yeah, I mean, we we it, with Most father Girls in School, we split. It's me, Carlo, and Lily. We're the owners of it and we all disagreed. And I mean, but, it's uh, not about workload for us. Because in my opinion, one, I don't think the most popular school is the only thing I'm, I'm ever going to do, you know. And uh, so I'm not worried about that. I'll do other stuff. But it's also like if each one of us didn't get involved, it wouldn't have happened. Right. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. It doesn't
0: matter who does the most work or who's most
2: important. It's Mark. Uh, Mark does the most work. I do. Right. Yeah.
0: But <laughs> I, I've been in that situation where, <laughs> you know, yeah. my collaborators are off at our friend's birthday party because – you know, they, there's nothing for them to do. And I'm working like 48 hours straight to try to get something out the door.
3: Yeah. And that's most popular goes in school, right?
0: Resentment (laughs) central.
3: (laughs) Well, and luckily everyone respects me in in that production and that if I say I'm not going to do this or I can't be there, they're like, yep, no problem. No problem at all. We understand you're working too hard.
2: Exactly. uh, And also being a thing of like, like us being able to speak up and be like, no, we're not going to push Mark that hard. Like that, like that's not going to happen.
3: Right. Yeah. So it's it, we just got lucky in that we were cool with that, and then for creative Studios, that's just me and Carlo because we do other projects now together, and we just were like, look, we're splitting it down the middle, and I definitely handle a lot of the production workload, but that means Carlo handles everything else. I mean, if there's marketing stuff, if we're talking about meetings or emails, or if we're doing some sort of development of projects, I don't deal with any of it, and Carlo can deal with all of it. And,
0: that's all yeah. and was there ever like a time when you're like, hey, Carlo, maybe you should like learn to edit Yeah, just to put this doll in a cup (laughs) Uh, i think i mean i used to do all the audio edits and i did teach him how to
3: edit the audio that was like one thing that was like here's something you could learn and it's not too intense Mm -hmm. and it's a visual you know sound thing so he started so he did learn that i've seen carlo hold a camera before and it was (laughs) you don't want me doing it you don't want me doing he turned a dslr (laughs) camera like long ways and started filming. And I'm like, what the <laughs> portrait hell? Portrait mode? Yeah, portrait mode with a DSLR. Not with this phone. Like a DSLR camera and sort of filming. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. And then he turns it this way, which still ruins it. And so I was like, Oh, oh
2: I'm oh, sorry. So you're have you the have you ever asked me to do that again? No, <laughs>
0: nope. that's Legget like back. with my wife. I'm like, <laughs> I'll do Take the laundry. Notes. I don't care. Yeah, he can't even. <laughs> and then film, I mess, like... I mess up all the clothes.
3: Exactly. So he, it's he, that's not going to be his bag. <laughs> it never will. But I mean, he again, he does a lot of the directing when doing stop motion or animation. There's two directing parts. There's directing the actors uh, doing the voice recordings, and then there's directing the animators who are actually moving the act, the the puppets. So I do almost all the directing of the actual shooting and Carlo does a lot better directing with the uh, actors especially than I do. If I'm directing the actors I'm a, a total dick about it. <laughs> like you're not no, so just,
1: like, just say it funny.
3: Yeah, well it's a, <laughs> Carlo's very good at like I will really bite my tongue not to just give them a line read because mm-hmm. sometimes I'm just like no, just say it exactly like this but Carlo is like very creative how to talk to them like imagine that you're like in a bar and you're trying to yell at the girl across the way and it's like oh,
1: that's per- that's exactly how you get him to say it. <laughs>
0: Can you throw in some Tips to uh, how you motivate actors when you feel like they're not getting things?
2: Uh, I, I think more than anything, it's just making them feel comfortable and making them feel like they're not fucking up. And like, and just so much of acting is just confidence. And so a lot of times it'll be like, cool. Okay. Let, you know, for sake of a difference. What if you do it this way? Yeah, you know, I use that phrase a lot of like for sake of a different. And sometimes it is like, I just want to hear an alternate take. And sometimes it's like, I want to, I want to make sure and take care of your ego and make sure that you're managed and, and just let you know that we're going to do it a different way. And, and when
0: you th- say this way, you say like, let's just do like a really fast one where you're, you know, trying to piss him off or something like what?
2: Right. Or, or like, usually I'll try to find some kind of, image that i that i can explain to them of like like I, we were talking to an actress and i wanted to get like a real particular voice tone and i was like imagine you're the kind of person who calls people jam up guys like he's a real jam up guy and immediately she's like i know i know that guy i know who that is yeah really yeah, I, I, abstract direction I really weirdly specific and, I'll, and it, i also benefit from the fact that we know a lot of our actors and so I can kind of speak to each of them in a particular language, mm-hmm. you know, of like one actor may be more comfortable with improvisation of like, let's just roll through and get a bunch of stuff. Whereas another actor might be more comfortable if I'm like lobbing them kind of a solid creative note and can say, what if you did it imagining the you're a puppet on a string or something, you know?
0: And when you guys are recording voices, are you worried at all about the edit? like? Sometimes when I'm in VO, I'm like, oh, we just did like 80 reads of this line. Like in editing, I don't even want to go through all 80 reads of this line. Like, how do you guys do that? Well, for me, I, that's
3: the beauty of the assistant editor. Like we have assistant editor whose job is to cut basically the selects. So basically every line, there'll just be, he'll cut up the takes. So you just have line, 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 line and then Carlo has to go through those and pick the best. So mm-hmm. that never gets to me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so so okay. I'll literally in the recording be like, "Enjoy that, Garrett." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and then, like, then uh, and then like the the other thing that's nice about being able to direct in the room is I'll know like, "Oh right, she she kind of found it in like the last three lines, so I can just skip past all, like the first 17."
0: Wow, so that's cool. So you have an assistant editor Set it up for easy reviewing, right? He, so, so he Carlo, he basically cuts it down to takes, right? Then you, Carlo does the selects, right? And then Mark actually edits them in with the music and sound effects. And exactly, I just do the kind of the timing because and I'm, levels I'm, everything out, right? I'm just I'm the one who kind of figures out the blocking
3: and like all right, we're gonna need a pause here because he's gonna walk across the mm-hmm. room. How long is that gonna take? That kind of stuff.
2: And you're
1: using Premiere?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. we used Premiere to do it.
1: And you guys are still kind of in the thick of it in terms of actual production at this point. Even right now? Right now. Yeah. No, no, we're,
2: we're,
3: we just we wrapped on Havoc a month ago.
2: Yeah, month oh. and a half ago. Yeah, and uh, it so. started airing on full screen August 18.
3: All right, the museum security system is disabled. Now remember, only grab the most expensive pieces.
2: How do we know which ones are the most expensive?
3: I don't know the fucking big ones. What are we? What do you base it off of? Anything gilded? If you see a frame, fucking grab that. What the hell is this? A cardboard box? Oh, uh, yeah, I heard about this cardboard box exhibit. It's uh, it's it's all recycled from cardboard boxes.
2: Wait, Kyle, why are you stealing their exit signs? Oh no, boss. These are from the exit sign exhibit. Uh, this door just goes to the janitor's closet. Wait, or is this the janitor's closet exhibit?
0: God, I fucking hate modern art.
2: Yeah, so we're and, just
0: writing some stuff now. And just rewinding just a little bit more because I do think this is yeah. pertinent. Is so you guys did your show, you did your Kickstarter, you did more stuff, and then you got noticed by William Morris Endeavor.
2: We Yeah, yeah we got noticed by them kind of pretty quickly after the big surge came in from Tumblr. Right. It, it was in the middle of our second season. They approached us. Like yeah. You
0: just get an email. Hey, I'm Mike at
2: WME. Literally, on Facebook, Literally, right? Lily got an email. She got a Facebook message on her Facebook actor page, which I think I, I told her. I was like, you don't need a fucking Facebook actor page. It's for <laughs> douchebags. <laughs> and like an agent at WME, Sarah Self, sent her a message and said, I've been trying everywhere to find you guys. I love your show. You need to come in and talk to me.
0: Because there was no contact info on your YouTube page. I don't know no, what it was. I don't. I don't, so.
2: I don't think so. No. It, it, yeah, actually, there definitely wasn't. Yeah, at the time, I don't think we were
3: thinking we wanted people to contact us, <laughs> nor that they would want to.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think we and all of like the social media was just the characters. <laughs> right. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So WME found us, and they really liked it, and they thought it could be a TV show.
2: And now you guys are rich.
3: Yeah, exactly. Oh,
0: totally. Yeah. After that yeah. first
3: meeting, it was like done and done.
0: Exactly. So they invited you for a meeting, and were you guys like super psyched? Yeah. No. You weren't. No, well,
3: because we had just come from there. That's end. right. So we got contacted by a few agencies when that thing kind of blew up, because I think all the agencies were starting to get into the digital world. world and we got contacted by another agency, which was some three letter agency, a big agency, we were like, oh my God, it's a huge agency. And literally, it was like the agent that called us in brought us to the head of television, who clearly had just watched an episode just before the meeting and was like, this will never be anything. This will never be on TV. No one would ever want this, but good for you for making it big on the internet think about your next project and maybe we can do something. I think we have a digital guy. Maybe he can help you. And we were like, okay, why did you call us in here?
0: Just to tell us that this is nothing. I mean, for our listeners, that's, at least from my experience, that is like most of my meetings off of digital stuff have been like that. Like, it's cool. I don't know what to do with it. If you have something that's a little more theatrical or TV, you can call us. You know, So it's more like opening doors than it is like, hey, I want to rep you and get you a job. Well, and a lot of meetings after you have something like what we had, what
3: uh, most meetings were, what's the next thing? Mm-hmm. Right. Can't yeah. wait for your next thing.
0: Like, like once you have
2: one thing that kind of hits, you go on what they call the water bottle tour, where you go to every studio and you get to collect a water bottle from them and you drink it and it's great and it's wonderful. And, and like you kind of tell them about what you were working on. And then they say, cool, what else are you working on? And it was like at that point that Mark had like, nothing ready. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we were like, we just made Ooh. all
3: these views in this web series. It's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so when we went to WME, I was not excited. I'm like, no, I'm not going to listen to these guys tell me the same story. Like, I don't need, I'll, you know, there was some other agents, some smaller agencies that were like, no, we like you guys. Think you can do something. But actually, WME was amazing. They were like, no, this is a crazy, this is a great show, and this could definitely be a TV show,
2: yeah. And
0: like, they like they very much got what we were doing, which is always a, like, and was Robot Chicken in existence at oh, the yeah. time? Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, they yeah.
1: and South while. Park, yeah, and, and, South, 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 and oh, yeah. thousands of people love the show with zero marketing budget,
3: right? right. right. Exactly. We, we had had, I think at the time, we had like 30 million views by mm. that time,
1: yeah. 30 um, million, I've actually heard is the magic number. Oh, really, <laughs> really? yeah, like <laughs> you get 30 million views on something like aggregate that's
0: a real benchmark for like, I you know. Interesting, the, yeah, yeah. Significantly yeah. more than like a lot of episodes of cable TV, I yeah, mean, of yeah. Or shows on cable TV, right? right.
3: And it was unique because it's an it's a narrative show. It's not sketches. Mm-hmm. You know, we're telling a, a continual storyline.
0: We have seasons. We
3: have seasons. We have a it's a very vulgar show with an incredibly female audience, which is incredibly unique. Yeah, Almost cause, all cause, adult cartoons. Because when we came
2: out, was either just before or just after Bridesmaids, which was like right. this. This all of a sudden, oh my god, girls like dirty humor too. Who knew? It's like yeah, they like things that are funny. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, they just don't want to watch boys be vulgar, but they'll watch girls be vulgar. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's easier for them to relate to girls being vulgar, right? Exactly, it makes sense. It was it was this thing of like, oh, girls don't like vulgar comedy. It's like, no, they just don't like vulgar comedy when it's a male driven show, but they're directed watch girls. at men, right?
2: You know, and, and it's like, well, we just wrote what, what we thought was funny, and it just so happened to have a lot of female characters. You know, that, that's always been our thing of like, we write what makes us laugh, like when we get stuck. Like, we'll just stop and be like, you laughing right now? You having fun? Then fuck it. Let's just start over.
0: Yeah. Right. So, WME is like, we love the show. We want to introduce you to more people to pitch new shows.
3: Yeah. Well, they were like, well, they wanted to take most popular girls in school and make a TV show, which we did too. We were, yeah. while we were making the web series. It didn't feel, it was growing. Like we started off doing like five minute episodes and then we were doing 12 minute episodes. And then we were doing like to be continued episodes and like three episodes. And we we're like, we're just writing a TV show now. Right. And so we told them we wanted to do that. They like that as well. And so we joined them, and that was kind of their first job, was to kind of try to push that out there. And figure out how can this be a
0: TV show. So you guys made a treatment show, Bible, all that stuff?
2: We we wrote a treatment. Yeah, did we write a treatment? Yeah, yeah, we wrote, we wrote a, treatment a treatment
0: for a pilot. Yeah of what it would look
3: like and then uh, we kind of put together like the stats Mm -hmm. like but it's already got x amount of views exactly and look at
1: these great videos exactly and
3: look at the fans like we had fans dressing up like the characters for halloween already Mm -hmm. we had people doing quotes of our show in the yearbooks as their senior quote. Yeah, was that,
2: like, that was one of the best things was, was people would send us pictures of their yearbooks where they used their senior quote as a quote from the show. That is yeah. incredible.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, we at the time I mean, had We're trying to make fun base. of you and <laughs> you
0: are being what we're writing.
3: Oh, yeah, it was crazy. I was like, I, I thought we were making fun of girls and the girls are like, no, this is exactly right. You guys are nailing well, yeah. it.
2: Well, it, it was really funny. There were like these two very clear delineations be, between the members of the audience of like some like some of the characters were like, the Britneys and Mackenzies, who we were making fun of, of like, oh my god, that's so me. You're the Trisha, I'm the DeAndre. Like, we're like like and then a lot of the people were like the people like me growing up who were like, fuck those people.
3: <laughs> right. <Here you laughs> yeah. So WME, uh, really quickly, I'm telling the end of the story. <laughs> they, uh, they
2: they started looking for a name that they could attach to it would be interested in producing it. No, uh, like uh, an executive production. producer, basically a celebrity, kind, okay.
3: kind of like. Um, <laughs> Come on, Mark. This is this is killing me. Uh, the the show about the two girls in New York on Comedy Central. What is it called? Broad, Broad, City. City. Broad, City. Broad City. Broad City. The executive computer Amy Poehler. Yeah. Like attaching Amy Poehler to them, so they ended up. We ended up getting hooked up with Charlize Theron, crazily enough. Crazy, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, she you, really so you
1: guys know Shirley's throne?
3: Uh We we she likes our work. Yeah. So she <laughs> sent us a Christmas gift last year. Yeah, has um, she been classy. to your place? She's not been to our place. We have yeah. not formally met her. She's always shooting movies mm-hmm. in some faraway uh, land. Yeah, she's yes. like
1: a model slash superstar slash yeah. She's kind of like
0: probably philanthropist. I'm sure slash mogul. She's definitely saving children. Yeah, exactly. Another. I have another friend that was developing a feature with her. Oh, nice. I think she. What's what's her production company? Denver about. and Delilah. Denver Delilah. So, so you guys, so they wanted to develop the show. Exactly. Yeah, they
3: partnered up with us and uh, they took it to Universal, uh, Universal Cable, who really liked it. And so now we're in the middle of developing the TV show with them.
1: And oh, so it's, it's still
3: happening. It's still oh, happening. yeah. Oh, we're yeah. actually cool. very yeah, close to um, closing the deal. This is one of those, can't say it now, but it's very close to closing the deal with the network and moving forward.
0: Yeah. Killer. So how, how does the pitch work? You guys don't walk in with Charlize and she's like... Modeling.
2: Well, I mean, it took playing one of the characters. It took. I mean, what like two years before we were actually pitching in rooms. You know, Mm -hmm. first we had the treatment, and then once everybody was on board, which like I think that took about a year to negotiate.
0: Yeah, just
3: just the deal because Universal, you know, it's not just buying a show idea; it's a property that already exists. We're still making the web series, mm -hmm. and the idea for the TV show is not a reboot. It's not a a change. It's a literal continuation. So what happens on the first day of the TV show, everything that happened in the past counts. Mm -hmm. It's all still a part of it. The
2: TV show starts first day of junior year. Uh, No, the the web series. the, The web series ends the last day of junior year. TV show starts first day of senior year. So, like, we by
3: season two, we'd already planned the TV show. So, we made two seasons after that, planning the TV show at the same time. So, we kind of set the web series up to ride into the TV show, mm-hmm. which no one's ever done that. No one's taken a web series and then continued it as a yeah, TV. Totally.
0: Can I tell can you a cool reverb. thing I did once, though? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one saw it, so it doesn't matter. But there was this Disney movie, Prom, that came out with Amy T. Garden a few years ago. It was directed by Joe Nussbaum, who did that George Lucas and Love short. Yeah. You guys ever see that? Yeah. Um, Classic. Yeah. He went to se right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. And so this whole movie was about senior year and prom, culminated in prom. And it was like a very much like a John Hughesy type of movie. And we took like a few of the side characters, like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, like the sidekick comedy guys. Right. And we did a show about their summer internship the summer before mm-hmm. senior year. And we released an episode every week until the movie came out. Nice. So it was kind of also like a continuation.
3: Yeah. That's a that's a great idea yeah. and that was yeah. part
0: of our thing was like the web series can
3: still exist and be like an, ex- it, you know a lot of people struggle taking something from the internet and putting it on TV that's mm-hmm. kind of the big thing everyone's trying to figure out and it has never worked quite well usually TV either like
1: Broad City is sh- the big exception it Ooh, is absolutely Drunk History too yeah, yeah and drunk,
3: exactly. actually Drunk History is a really great yeah. point that's yeah. actually one of the better ones I mean Broad City is true too it wasn't Broad City didn't get a lot of time to establish online right, it right. got up really quick But Drunk History is is a really good one. And, and luckily, it turned into a TV show that was very similar to the sketch. It was just the, almost the exact same thing. And that's really the trick. I think if you tried to take something that was big on the internet and then you change it for TV, you're really playing with
2: fire. Kind of where you get too many hands in it of people being like, well, yeah, this is what would work on TV. We know you think worked over there. Right, Let right. us change it so that yeah. it can work here. And it's like most of the things you guys make on TV don't work. Well, so. it's the same eyeballs. Well,
0: right. but that's the challenge. And I think that's what we're still figuring out. Like, can you bring an audience from YouTube to TV? Right. Or yeah. are they just watching stuff on YouTube? And, right. You know, you got to make it like worth Like, it's their very while. hard to move an audience. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. And I don't even know that the Drunk History TV audience is the same as the web audience. I kind of suspect that maybe yeah. it overlaps by, like, 20% at the most. Well, like and,
2: and our big thing that we emphasize, and that luckily all the execs that we've been dealing with in developing this show recognize and embrace, is that... We have a very particular fan base who are particularly devoted to this show and they're unique in a lot of ways. I mean, for one, like even with comments, they're so self-policing that we have like one of the universally like most positive comment threads on YouTube. Like there are very like there are very rarely trolls on there. There are very rarely arguments, and everybody like when there are are very civil. Mm-hmm. And like they're they're an actual community because they're mostly women. <laughs> Let's be honest. Sure, sure. I would say Squaresville, my show,
1: pretty similar situation. Nice, it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. It's like, like oh, cool. we're all cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, I love you guys too. This is great. I know <laughs> exactly. when you hear about
3: like how horrible internet comments are for some people, I'm like, that would be all. I yeah. would I would have uh, a hard time because I would listen to the comments a little too much. Yeah. Like if yeah. one guy's like, eh, this was kind of slow. I'm like, we gotta pick up the pace. <laughs>
2: yeah. but, but so what? So what we've kind of emphasized is. Look, we need to make sure that we maintain this online footprint and that we take care of that audience that's there because when we move to TV, those are going to be our biggest evangelists Mm -hmm. because this audience feels such a kinship with this show. They feel so much ownership of it because they've watched it develop from like the first video with three shitty little dolls and styrofoam cups. And they feel like they've they they feel like it's their local band that's now getting a major label deal, you
0: know? Right. Oh, you know a good example of when the audience did move to TV, I think, is with Fred. You know, there's Fred the movie. He, he, so Fred was right this right. huge guy on YouTube, this kid, and then he made movies for Nickelodeon, which was like exactly the right fit for the audience. Already. Yeah, exactly. And then you know yeah. the Fine Brothers did Kids React. Which did sure. not really manage to pull people. And yeah, neither they, did the Grace Helbig show on E. Right. Yeah. Manage so, but well, if if your network partners know how to find your audience, I think.
3: Well, and we're in lucky in that the web, our web series translates very quickly to the TV show. We didn't need to change anything. It was literally just like, oh, we get to tell a bigger story. We get and, a, a bigger, more crazier, wilder story. But is in, it still
0: you doing like the production and?
3: Well, that's, I mean, that's all up in the air as far as, I mean, we're definitely, I mean, a lot of things had to change in the TV show. One was we did have to hire a showrunner, which was, you know, basically a writer boss for us, which is very unique for me and Carla, because, like, we've written 70 episodes of the show. Who's going to come did, in and Was be that there.
0: a fight, or was that something you guys were like, no, like that, well, I mean, we get it.
2: No, so that, that, that was something we accepted pretty quickly, because we were like, yeah, we understand why a network wouldn't immediately have us run a show. Right, and they're even, not
3: going to give us, you know, millions of dollars and be like, we think you guys can make it. Yeah. And it would be good to have somebody who's like, I've been down this road. But what was good is we got to interview the showrunners. Mm-hmm. You know, we it was our choice. No one was like here's who you going to pick from. It was like they gave us a big selection and we kinda met with a bunch and the uh, the woman we found, Nancy Pimenthal, who's a uh, one of the head writers of um, Shameless. Shameless right now on Showtime and she's also one of the writers on South Park she's wow. a great fit as far as her temperament but also she like sat with us and was like this is your show and what I'm gonna do is fight for you guys mm-hmm. and it was like that's perfect so, yeah, yeah. that's
0: exactly what we want I heard this interview with the showrunner of Empire and it's she's the woman that like created the l word or something like oh, wow. she comes from like a soap drama background mm-hmm. not at all like the kind of hip-hop world and she she in her whole interview was just talking about how she just she gets very clear direction on like the vision and what this show is supposed to be about. And her job is just to kind of execute it in the best way possible. Sure. Yeah. So that's mean, that's cool. There's just so much to do when it and she's never worked in stop motion before. I mean,
3: South Park isn't stop motion animated, only the right. first episode was. So and that was something that appealed to us too, because again, we like the people who come work with us and maybe have a little inexperience mm-hmm. because we're gonna do things a little differently. And the last thing we want, it's really hard to break people. Of bad habits, it's really easy to start new ones.
2: Espe- especially when those habits in their head are well, but we do this because it's the right thing to do. It's the way right. that you do it. Right?
1: Yeah, they think you have bad habits. Right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. They think we have yeah. terrible habits. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, I mean, when we started working with animators finally in our fourth season, so it goes end on Doctor Havoc. That's like a whole new thing. It's a whole new type of making the show when you're not doing everything yourself. And and how has that transition been? Uh, fairly good yeah. in the sense of I, I got very lucky in that I literally for season four was popular girls in school. Moved after we had done three seasons, we had a pretty good amount of revenue coming in. Me and Carla could both work at the same time, and uh, we were making the show at the YouTube space, which is like a big production facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Let's make the whole show there. So I hired two animators, and I got lucky in that I literally said like a production hub. I don't need, I don't know how to find stop motion animators, and luckily the guy I found uh, this guy Kevin Glick. He, like, worked on Coraline and Robot Chicken. He had this crazy resume. I'm like, he's never going to come push these Barbie dolls with me. It's going to be crazy. And he came and sat down. I told him what we do. And he was like, well, I get it, you know, and it fits. I don't have anything to do right now because they work for, like, four months a time. Then they take breaks.
2: Yeah, we, we lucked out in that we had just so happened to schedule the entire production to be shot from the beginning of November Right up until Christmas. And for stop motion, that's usually a downtime because it's such Mm -hmm. a long production process that they're going to schedule around that and make sure they avoid that.
3: Yeah. So it was like, I mean, I don't know anything about stop motion. I hadn't met with stop motion animators. And he explained to me that like normally, like on a show like Robot Chicken, which is probably one of the fastest animated shows on television as far as stop motion, they animate about 10 seconds a day at their fastest. And I was like, oh, I'm going to ask you to do two minutes a day. (laughs) Which is like impossible. He's like, well, that's 12 times. You can't do it. Yeah. He's like, it cannot be done. And I was like, I'm going to show you how I do it and we'll see. And we just, I mean, we cut a lot of corners. We do a lot of things you shouldn't do. And uh, It's called
2: exploiting market inefficiencies, Mark. Right. (laughs) Go go ahead and spin it right for me. And I mean, again, it's a matter of
3: it's not going to look as good, but that can be fun. It's sometimes fun. You know, our dolls also are not perfect puppets. You know, we have some dolls that don't even have elbows. So when they hold a (laughs) cell phone, they hold it like three feet above their head because the arm can't bend to their ear but that makes it funny because you know that the, the the viewer can see oh that ball bo- doesn't have a no bow. so what are they supposed to do right. and it's like
2: oh cool we can make a joke out of it
3: yeah and so after a while he got the, he got the hand the and so did our other animator and then it just became it became a fun thing because it was fun for them because they also were not being scrutinized mm-hmm. stop motion's heavily scrutinized and they usually have to like reshoot stuff over and over and over again and I'm like no no if we didn't get it right this time let's get it right next time because we got to keep on going
0: yeah <laughs> and so we should probably wrap up soon because we're already it's so long. This is all super fascinating. <laughs> oh yeah, so sorry. good. Real quick, the Doctor Havoc story. So William oh, yeah. Morris introduced you to Full Screen.
2: So Doctor Havoc came about from all those meetings that we went on, where it was like, "What else are you working on?" And we we're like, Ooh, "We should figure out some other things to work <laughs> on." So we came up. You know we we kind of had a list of ideas of like log lines and sample episodes, and we had this idea about Doctor Havoc, and WME took it out to New Form Digital. And we made six sample episodes with them. They they like the idea. They they gave us some money to go and make six sample episodes. Six. Yeah, like like three yeah. five minute episodes and three one minute episodes. It's kind of a proof of concept.
3: Yeah, instead of Why doing so that- many. I don't know. I think I think they had this. Idea that they realized that the idea maybe could go in so many places. They wanted us to show the range of the show because mm-hmm. the show, uh, Doctor Havoc. It's about it's making fun of superheroes and 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 also secret agents. There's that element, but there's also like a funny family element to it. I think they so wanted it's kind to of like show Despicable Me a little bit, right? Like it's yeah. like the the light side it, of bad
0: guys right yeah.
3: exactly it, it, and in like with most of our shows it's like very realistic like what would you realistically have to do like how are villains caught at the end of every episode but then they're there the next episode and we show like he gets home every single night and he's like i escaped from jail again <laughs> yeah. and uh,
2: like the the, be- the best way to describe the character of dr havoc is he's the guy like he's going to shoot his enemy in the face he's not going to like drop him into a pit of sharks like cuz that would be a huge liability and you'd have to get insurance on the shark pit and everything yeah mm-hmm. so right. they
3: yeah we didn't know how they did everything. But it, we did learn it was unique that they let us do six episodes. But I think they wanted to see the range, I think they liked that it was animated, they hadn't done that before, and I guess they saw some potential or something, yeah. which was good. And then they sold
2: it to uh full screen. So we spent basically the first six months of this year shooting, you know, Dr. Havoc, like it was such a big expansion for us, and it was the moment that we were scaling up, and we were very intentional about not scaling the business until we were ready. And so when that time came. We kind of hit the ground running, moved into this new studio in Culver City, took an old art gallery and turned it into a stop-motion studio, and shot 30 episodes, which ended up being, what, like 190 minutes of footage?
3: Yeah, we shot about 30 episodes in about four months. Yeah. Jeez. You guys are out of control. That's hard. That's
1: hard in live action, you guys. Yeah. Oh no, it was. That's like hard, was hard in crazy. reality.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
3: it was. If there's anything uh, that I had to learn quickly was this was the first time we had four animators, sometimes five, working simultaneously. So you're directing five people at the same time, and they're finishing shots roughly every 15, 20 minutes. So you're going over, you resetting the shot, and talking. I mean, when you're doing stop motion, the animator's the actor. So you're working with him. Right. Like, how does he act during this, you know? We have the vocal performance, but now how does the actual doll perform and we kind of act it out together and just luckily, out of
0: curiosity, what kind of cameras are you guys shooting on? Uh, we we're shooting on 7Ds. Okay. And I mean, luckily because
3: it's the format The picture, you don't really, you can shoot with the 5D, but you don't, the full frame doesn't really help you much. Mm -hmm. It stills. And then you have depth of field issues, right? Yeah, exactly. And so we do a shallow depth of field because, one, our sets aren't that detailed, so it makes them look pretty nice and it gives you a film aesthetic, but also the pictures are so large, you know, basically we get exported into 5K Mm -hmm. and still have more room left over. So it doesn't, anything that's a DSLR you can use. So we don't have to use the most expensive cameras. We're using like year old. Do you ever
0: reframe and post, like pop into a close up or something?
3: Uh, Sometimes. Sometimes we'll reframe if things are just a little bit off or something's chopped off or punch in. Or an extreme case, we may have to reshoot something. But yeah, very rarely. We shot it in like... I think 4K, but full screen does 1080, so we had a lot of room to play with. Yeah, I feel like I would just shoot everything super wide constantly. <laughs>
1: that's just that's my rule everything. to them. It's like, yeah. don't ever get too
3: close. I can yeah. fix far away.
1: I
0: can't yeah, right. fix close. And so do you have, I'm assuming, if you're doing five shots at a time, you have multiple... Copies of your actors, your your Dr. Yeah, havoc and stuff. Exactly.
3: Yeah. We have lots of Havocs, a couple of different other dolls. There's one or two characters where for one reason or another we only had one version. Maybe the outfits didn't work or a doll broke. That, would, th- that would be the real scheduling thing where you'd have like a big board like this doll cannot be on two sets at once. Or, yeah,
2: or or also like there are seven different versions of Dr. Havoc. There's like bank robber havoc, there's nineties havoc, and there's Hawaiian shirt havoc. And it's like we would have to you know, that we, we would have to treat all of those like different characters.
0: And yeah. who does all the scheduling? We basically, I mean,
3: we work with the set, dis- we have like a set designer, we have an animation director, myself, and uh, Tiffany, our producer. And basically we sit down, like the set designer says, I'm not going to have this set done until week two. It's like, all right, we're not shooting that scene until that week. Or uh, Carlo will be like, we don't have this voice actor in. So basically it's like when people are done, We and how we set it up is the board is, Hundreds of little pieces of paper. Every piece of paper is about a minute of footage in a scene. And we just start organizing, like, here are these scenes, and these will all have to be done at this time. And it's kind of a crazy process, but it got us through. I and mean, we got through by the yeah. skin of our teeth. It was. And
0: you shot the whole season at once, like out of order?
3: Yes. Yeah. We kind of jumped around all over the place. It was all dependent on. We tried to shoot on one set for as long as possible, mm-hmm. but sometimes we hadn't recorded, or the audios weren't quite ready, or the set, or the characters. So it was very much on what's good is when in, unlike live action everyone is there so if we need to jump to a new thing the sets there the characters there we can jump to another set and exactly. take time
2: away and and a big thing that really helped us and that was the reason why we got through it was over communication was was me being like, okay mark, I know that I know that you've told me this three times, but what what shot are we doing next so that I can have the dolls prepped
3: there right you every know? morning we had like a 30 minute big board meeting where we'd sit with all the heads of the departments and say, here's what's on the list today here's what's come up tomorrow are there any red flags people are seeing and uh, figure out what to do and next. also like a,
2: bi- a big thing that that I would do with Mark would be be like I know I've told you this. We have a recording coming in at three o'clock today. <laughs> yeah. You know, and making sure that if we over communicate, it's fine. It's when we under communicate that, that we start to get into the weeds.
0: Right. Right. And you guys do a lot of visual effects, right? I think I might have seen a few action movie essential saber plugins. Yeah, stuff. we like with
3: all of our aesthetic, it's very basic. It's like there's not a film student out there who couldn't do the effects we're doing. So if you want to be our effects guy, I'm sure you're already qualified. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very basic stuff, but yeah, but it's so, cool. I, it's, yeah, it totally fits perfectly. Yeah, and so we do. Yeah, we definitely do some effects. We do some explosions, or some uh, people get electrocuted, or a lot of a lot of muzzle flashes and blood splatters, and then occasionally we'll do some practical stuff if i let the animators really play but anything that takes too much time i'm like yeah we'll right. do it because we'll an close. explosion practically is really cool but it's right incredibly painful no right. exactly and they they want to oh man the animators like want like smoke they're like we can do it with cotton and stuff i'm like no no i'll <laughs> yeah, add yeah. the smoke yeah. it's, a, it's a two second plug-in we're not doing <laughs> yeah. it i feel their pain oh yeah exactly it And <laughs> it's upsetting so fun
0: yeah 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 yeah, that's yeah. Really the and, aesthetic and, is like we're allowed to cheat Right. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and and also on Havoc, we were able to like pick and choose little spots where we go, okay, flex your muscles, Mm -hmm. and that actually works really well with the show because you kind of have a very basic through line, but every now and then something pops, and that gets noticed a lot more because you because you have the basic through line, and everything isn't. Let's make this as beautiful and spectacular as possible. Yeah, and unlike most stop
3: motion, all of our shows are very uh, dialogue based. Mm -hmm. Right. It's mostly people talking about something that did or will happen right which is like totally not the rules of what you should do oh yeah like
2: they have yeah, visual, full- jokes. Like, yeah. A lot of visual yeah. jokes yeah yeah there's
3: some definitely some visual jokes but it's like we we definitely rely a lot on dialogue which is interesting for a group that doesn't do lip-syncing
2: yeah, yeah. and we, we also have like the running joke of like okay this is an episode where something great just happened and havoc goes wait let's talk about this for nine minutes <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs>
0: And you guys do a lot of reaction shots, right? Even though their faces don't really express much. Yeah, sometimes. And we
3: definitely do, like, there's, it's sometimes we make a joke of you can't show emotion. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's one time I, I can definitely remember where Havoc's wife tells him something really devastating and he just, it's just a frozen shot. And you're kind of like, for saying like, is it broken? Right, Does right. this thing stop playing? Yeah. And then finally the other character's like, are you going to say something? And then you realize, oh, he was just frozen in anger.
2: Right. <laughs> right. I, I think so. we sat in, in the editing bay with the editor on that one and, like, multiple times were like, what about a little bit longer? Yeah, hold it <laughs> a, little hold a little bit longer.
1: longer. Yeah, it's almost. You, up there. you got to let it <laughs> come back around. Exactly. Right? Yeah,
3: that's exactly yeah. what it is. It's so, like yeah, yeah, you're just long enough so someone goes, no, this is a mistake, and then you hit him like, oh, it
2: wasn't a mistake. <laughs> Isn't right. that
0: the South Park? People said it's like, you, so long where it's like, it's funny and then it's not funny and then it's funny again. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right, yeah. Exactly.
3: That's right, motherfucker. All right, Doctor Habit. you' bought to get fucked up. Oh, good for you. What? No, I just, I think it's really great, you know? I've actually been advocating for more diversity in our field. What? What the fuck are you talking about? I'm just saying, I, I think it's about time we had some black superheroes. What? Why do you assume I'm black? Wait, are, are you serious? My costume covers my entire body. You can't
2: even see my skin color.
3: Well, no, I, I, I can't see that you're black, but, you know, I, I did notice a few... There were there's hints that you know, I the it was the candor you know <clears throat> Man, fuck you. All right, all right, maybe I'm wrong. I you know I, I clearly have no idea what race you might be. Uh what's your superhero name again? Super Jamal.
0: Oh come on. Wow. Well cool. Well so People can check out Dr. Havoc right now, right? Yeah, you go to full screen, you can see
3: uh, all the episodes of Dr. Havoc. There's 30 altogether. I think that they've, they're they rolling out four every week. Yeah, every
2: say. every Thursday there's a new set of four that gets launched. They're all about somewhere between
0: six and eight minutes. How many are there? Uh, 30 in total 30 holy cow yeah you guys I, are out of control yeah you guys are putting matt and me out of work <laughs> yeah. no joke. they're like we can get 30 episodes from these guys yeah, it's it's yeah. well, exactly. there's six, six little, people over there, yeah, there? yeah
3: exactly <laughs> they're a little shorter than most popular girls in school episodes they're about eight to six minutes long
0: yeah exactly and, and the most popular girls in school are, is on youtube it's on youtube it's on YouTube. Yep. youtube yep all 70 episodes yeah Four seasons of guys are, you guys are payments. the Elron Hubbards of stuff. <laughs> <information. laughs> we, we, we've done our uh, our ten thousand hours. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, cool. Do you guys know about unpaid endorsements? We've, we've yes. heard tell. Yes. Yeah.
3: I've been trying to think hard. Well, so we'll good stick
0: one. around, and we'll have you endorse with us.
3: Unpaid
2: endorsements.
1: So Matt, let's start with you endorse so my endorsement listeners will remember a couple weeks back i went to the the palm springs shorts film fest which is like this great incredible film festival i had a great time blah 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 Uh, so finally one of the best shorts i saw in that entire screening series that i went to is out on vimeo now it's called killer it's a short of the week so you can find it on short of the week.com i think it's also a staff pick it's incredible it's not safe for work but I totally recommend it. If you think that that is enough to get you into the movie, go ahead and skip this next part I'm going to explain. So spoilers ahead. Yeah. Basically, the premise is it's about a boy who um, masturbates for the first time and his mom drops dead. And so he comes to believe that when he masturbates, it causes people to die.
3: Okay. Amazing. Amazing. And
1: it's, it's dark and quirky uh, and hilarious and really expertly shot. It's incredible. I love it. It's really great. It's called Killer. It's directed by Matt Kasman. And you can check it out in uh, the show notes.
3: That's my endorsement.
2: Nice. nice. Awesome. Do you want to
3: take it? Sure. Go ahead, buddy. All right. Oh, I definitely I should have the author of this book, but I don't have their name in my head. That's all right. Uh, so it's a book that I read. I listened to it on an audiobook. I highly recommend it as an audiobook, but if you want to read words, you can do that too. Uh, it's called Creativity Inc., have you guys already uh, it's, uh,
1: talked about
0: this? I do think we might have talked about it. This a is our things. very first uh, repeat, Re- repeat. In- it's in your good. Head. All I'm saying, it was bound to happen. It's so good. I well, now you're a stop motion guy, even though five years ago you weren't, <laughs> right? And it was written by right the founder of Pixar. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if you read the first chapter and the jacket of the book, you pretty much. Got what the book tells you. It yeah. As far as like the things you can learn from it,
3: yeah, there it's very it can be very simplistic. It's very much about like working with a group and like really how to cultivate a good environment. But it was really good for me, obviously, because me and Carla were just starting like this production company and bringing more people in. And like, sure. how do you work with people and not like be their boss necessarily, but help them be. You were creative. trying to incorporate creativity. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to do. <laughs> and if you're interested in like Pixar and stuff, it is fascinating how they do stuff. It's so much different than the rest of the film industry. Like how many years they spend, and like a director is the writer is the everything on those productions. That was interesting, and his story is interesting. He's like the first person to like. Create 3D images is the guy who made Woody and stuff. That's pretty interesting. But yeah, Creativity Inc. It's a good book. Even if you're just a creative, if you're not starting a company, I still think it's a really good
0: book. I think, like, to me, I've worked at a lot of companies where they don't want the assistant giving ideas, you know, that there is very much a hierarchy. And I think what the book is about is that even if there's a hierarchy in place, you should still always be open to get great ideas from anyone,
3: right? And even if something's working, think what do we, what can we change? Right? You know, could we, could we adjust things, even if it's uh, not going to make something better, it may just make something more interesting or something. It's a very like exactly.
0: engineering like approach of like iterating over and over until something's better. Which is, I guess, how like writing is too, right? It's like yeah, all about very the rewrite. Much so.
2: Yeah, and like like with us, we just we have no problem sitting down with everybody on our team, being like, "Cool, that was fun. What worked?" What didn't? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. yeah, What? What could we do better? You're not insulting us. You're you're just making this thing better.
0: And that's from a creative point. Like, how is this? Would this episode be better? Or. From, like, a how's the company running? More, more an more, experience than- like, like the production. Like, we, after we did Dr.
3: Havoc, we sat, we had a little post mortem with the entire production crew. And we're like, all right, let's go through it bit by bit, pre production. Like, what could have been better? What do you guys need? If we're doing a season two, let's say, what do you guys need? And we just talked to every single person that got to chip in and be like, oh, you know, I could do this and that would be better. And it, it wasn't just what they had problems with, it was solutions they had. Mm-hmm that we were able to get from
0: them. The solutions were always better snacks in the break room. Yeah. (laughs) We are pretty good with the snacks. We'd like a second
2: bathroom, please. Yeah, definitely a second bathroom. (laughs) That was a
0: big issue. Cool. So
2: my uh, unpaid endorsement is a little bit more of a concept that I fell back in love with this summer, which is, going to live events and not just thinking about going to live events and being like, Oh man, that'd be cool to go to that thing. I'm not going to buy a ticket, but that would be cool (laughs) of like, whether it's the concert that you have in your head that you really want to see, or like for me, my family's been a huge LA Rams fan. And so them coming back, like I went to the first fan fest at the Coliseum and it occurred to me that those things are the stories that you tell people like I still tell people the story about when I went and saw the white stripes at their peak in like 2003 and drove down to San Diego. And for me for too long, I just let all of those things go by the wayside and be like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm yeah. not going to go out. Uh, yeah. You got jokes to write. Exactly. Yeah. If I'm not
3: invited. I'm not yeah. going to figure it out. Yeah. Ticketmaster. Yeah,
2: exactly. And instead being like, Hey, you know, what? I will go to another Dodger game this week, or yeah, I will go to that Ryan Adams concert that I've always been wanting. Like, I've always wanted to see him live, and and I I think a big part of it was so many people that I would have loved to have seen live died this year, and it's like you're not going to get to see Bowie live, and if you could have said that you did, like that'd be worth everything. Yeah, I yeah. think about
1: that, like when Prince was at the Hollywood Bowl for right. so long. Yeah, I mean, like that was totally affordable. Exactly, it would have been great. Yeah, I can't do that anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's like you tell yourself, oh, I'll, I'll get him the next time that yeah. he's coming around, and eventually there's, there's not a next time. And it's like the best experience. It's so much fun. Like I know, especially here in LA, like we were very lucky that we have amazing venues, yeah. like the Greek or the Bowl. And, and we're paying a
3: premium to live here. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same cost as like a night of drinking. Right. I mean, it's not that much more uh, expensive.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's something special that you'll always remember, and kind of in the back of our heads, we discount it too much.
0: L.A. is a tricky place where people get lost in their work and they use it as yeah. a very valid excuse to not do anything socially fun. Yeah. Actually, I saw Penn & Teller years ago in L.A. I'm a huge fan of <laughs> <I'm> like magicians. <laughs> I was at UCLA and we like found out they're performing at the Pantale. I forget where they were, some theater. And we went and they were like, you know, in every other city in America, when we're in town, everyone's like, Penn & Teller are in town. We're going to go see them. But when we're in Los Angeles... Nobody knows we're here. Oh man! And it really kind of opened up my eyes as to like, oh yeah, because in LA, people are so into whatever they're doing that they don't like go and say like, oh, I wonder what you know, who's at the Hollywood Bowl or whatever.
2: Right. Exactly. And I, I think for a long time, for me, my default to any request was like oh yeah, I'm really busy. And then if I actually really wanted to go, I would figure out a way out of that excuse. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but like like checking that default and being like, all right, let, me, let that not be my default. Let my default be like, yeah, I can do that.
0: Right. It's like it, the year of yes or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and An- like, another good book.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or, or like, like, ju- like just hitting
0: somebody up and being like, let's go to a concert. Right. You know? Yeah. My wife does that way more than me. She's going to go see Dolly Parton.
2: That's amazing. That was pretty great. Like that's pretty like, great. Like that's the kind of thing where you tell somebody that and they go, oh, my God, you're the coolest person.
0: Yeah. I bet you she'll have a cool guest. Yeah. For oh, her yeah. birthday, she got front row seats to Britney Spears in Vegas, and it was like the most fun she's ever had. It's awesome. I like it. Well, yeah. Related to that, I saw this short today that was like, it was an animation made to the voiceover of David Lynch talking about how he gets ideas. And he, I I think it's like a famous like snippet of of dialogue. I'd never heard it before. But one of the things he said is like, go somewhere. He's like, you can get an idea from a place. He's like, sometimes you'll just walk on the sidewalk and you'll see a reflection in a puddle and you'll be like, oh, wow, I have an idea. And you just like write that down and like you're just like getting one frame of your film and you just keep getting these ideas and they start fitting together and making sense. But I did think like he was like, like sometimes you can't come up with anything, just travel somewhere, you know. And it's kind of the same thing you're saying exactly you got in the same thing we talked about earlier is like it's hard to focus on film school and then you want to make films and you can only make films about making films right exactly and so it's like exposing yourself to these experiences is what you know inspires you yeah living a life worth writing about yeah and so where i saw that animation this is my real endorsement is on this sorry i always endorse these like super techie visual effects like (laughs) adobe related things but there's this website called AEScripts.com, which it stands for After Effects Scripts. And it's like a bunch of tools and scripts and things that you can use with After Effects. But they have, if you click on their Learn page, there's an, they call it the Inspiration Feed. And it's just super cool animated videos or visual effects or live action stuff or music videos. That's where I saw this animation of this David Lynch thing. But check it out, the Inspiration Feed. You'll definitely be inspired. If you're pitching music videos, like go watch this thing. You'll get an idea. And... My one last thing, just because you made me rem- remember talking about shorts we've seen at film festivals that we really liked is there's this one called Leonard in slow motion, which is like it's Martin Starr um, is in this short film and he just like moves super slow motion compared to everyone else in his life. And it's just really well done. And it sounds like it might be boring, but it's totally not. Leonard in slow motion. Check it out. Sounds awesome. Nice. It'll be
1: in the show notes. So guys, if uh, people want to check out more of what you're doing, where can they find you?
3: The best place to find us, I mean, you can check out extracreditstudios.com. Yep.
2: We've got a website website for our whole studio and that kind of is the portal to everything that we're working on. Yeah. All the shows that are up and stuff. And then you can follow us on uh, the Twitter, the Twitter sphere. Yeah, exactly.
3: I'm at Carlo Moss. And I'm at Marximus, unfortunately, because I didn't know Twitter was going to be a thing. So uh, lots of yeah. Yeah, stuff, it was it? your AOL screen name too, <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was just damn <laughs> too late now. <laughs> well, yeah. That's okay. but yeah, yeah you can type find me type, on- type in something close, yeah. you'll find me.
2: yeah, Twitter and Instagram at Carlo Moss because I've learned really quickly like, oh just she's, she's your name yeah. Yeah. <laughs> instead of you A- of you <laughs> <laughs> Someday, someday
3: I'll do the real Mark Cope. For when I'm so popular, there's yeah. no you, Mark there Cope. Here's what
2: you should do: you should do
1: Del Real Mark Cope.
3: Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: pretty funny. Yeah. Well, if you want to check out all the things we talked about on the show, you can check out our show notes. And you can follow me at Mr. Matt Enlow and the show at
0: Just Shoot It Pod and me at Smitey Pileg. And please uh, email us, drop us a note. You know, send us a tweet, and uh, you know we'd love to hear your questions and comments and everything about what these guys want. You want a job at Extra Credit Studios? Tweet at us. We'll hook you up. Yes, yes absolutely. Absolutely. Starting salary. We're only taking 150K. references from them, guys. So you have right. to contact them. Yeah,
2: exactly. The podcast, right? We're setting up a hierarchy. That's <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> this episode was edited
1: by Eric Cropot. Thanks, Eric. And music was provided by the Free Music Archive. Cool. See you later, guys. Bye.
2: Bye.
1: But it's the story of... Yeah, or Wait, are just you gonna, t- you're going to you're yeah. going to
0: spoil this short film. I'm going to give the premise. Can I we just watch it.
1: Yes, I think you should just watch it, but I'm saying if you need a little bit more, if I I can't just say hey everyone, can't you just tell us this the is, is a good for spoiling film. it. No, that's what I'm telling you.
3: He does he doesn't believe he has any credibility with this audience. I get it. L- listen guys,
1: so so <laughs> the story it basically the premise is